Thank you, worship team. I love some of those songs that we sang there, the, the old one there about and Christ alone I take my stand, the one where no one can come at me because I belong to God. Uh, thank you for coming this morning. Uh, you know, in Hebrews chapter 11, there's a, a great chapter about the great people that had gone before, and it tells us that some of them were beheaded, and some of them were thrown to the lions, and uh, all these bad things happened. And I think if we could rewrite the chapter today, we would say, and some of them braved the, la- the rain on uh, this Sunday and came to AIC. And so you're blessed to be here because you came, and I hope that God will bless you as you come and as we talk together. Uh, two weeks ago, I started out on this series by asking, who is the greatest? And the answer is easy. He is the greatest. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, God has made him preeminent over all things, and he's the one we worship, and we've been doing that gloriously this morning. Last week, we looked at the church, and uh, taking from the Old Testament structure there, we learned some lessons about the qualifications or the standards God requires of those who would work in his ministries, certainly in a, in a position of leadership, and maybe as a vocational deal. So now we come down to everyone that's here today, and I've said that everyone in this community is needed, no matter who you are, how you look, what you do and don't do, all of us are needed. If this church is to be a community that's healthy, first we need healthy leaders who can then lead healthy people so that God can bless the ministries of the church and we can be known as a lighthouse here in Wampoa and in other places. When we go down to these Nepalese children over there in Jordan, they will know in their hearts that something is happening because God is with us and God is using us. And so it's important that if you call this your church home, you don't believe it's uh, enough for you to occupy a seat You're needed. We are all needed. And by the end of the time this morning, I hope you'll understand that your contribution is valuable and God is looking for you to respond to him and uh, bring that value there. So everyone is needed, and I'm going to take uh, for my reading the story of the Israelites again, the people of Israel. They'd been in captivity for a lot of years, generations And they're now freed, and God says, follow me, and I will lead you across the desert to a promised land, a land of promise. And they set out, and very early God comes to them, and to Moses the leader, he says, on the way, I want to be with you, and my presence will come if you build a worship center for me where the people can gather, and every day I have a system of uh, sacrifices that I need to be done. And they're listed out there. But I want you to build somewhere where I can be present among you and uh, lead you. Now, I don't know what you think when you think of the children of Israel crossing the desert. But let me just say that was no uh, minibus full or even two big bus fulls. This is a lot of people. They did three uh, collections of their names at different times for different reasons. And uh, so the you would say the average was that they found there were 600,000 men. That's quite a few men. And if you add women and children, 
you're moving up into certainly into a million, million and a half, would it even be two million? That's a lot of people. Now you don't think so here in Hong Kong because you're so used to many people. But where I come from, that's, that's half the country. Uh, and you know, we've got a few sheep we could add in to build the numbers, but not much. You know, a lot of, lot of people. And so this has to be done in order and uh, done in a particular way. 600,000 men and, children, and then children and ever, all going on. You'd notice them uh, as they marched across the desert. There'd be a little bit of dust going up. And so the Lord came to Moses and he said, Tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering for me from everyone whose heart prompts them to give. There's some clues in here that we're going to translate to uh, ourselves, aren't we? Everyone whose heart prompts them to give might be one. Then have them make a sanctuary, a worship centre for me, so that I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle worship centre and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. So they're experiencing in the desert a complex means of uh, worshipping God because as yet Jesus hasn't come and they need to worship uh, with sacrifices every day to appease God uh, for what the, the difference of opinion that they have over things. And so he wanted them to set up this structure and it would be a type of the things that would happen or be fulfilled when Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came and in one sacrifice, only one was needed because he in that sacrifice met all the requirements that God had for restoring a relationship and a future and a hope with you and I. And so we realise here that it starts with a willing heart. So well, let's come back to AIC. Everyone is needed and it starts with a willing heart. Everyone whose heart is prompted can be involved in the building of a beautiful place of worship for God and be involved in the ministries around here. God is going to do the, the work in a sense, isn't it? We talk about reaching people for Christ, but it is God that brings the fruit. He wants us to do the preparation. Now, it certainly involved the gold and silver of the people in the desert, but then uh, he outlined a comprehensive list of things that would count. Have I got that up there? Hmm. Why aren't I getting that? Here you go. They're going to bring stuff. Gold, silver, bronze. You could bring that, and that would be very welcome, I know. But uh, then there's some various coloured yarn and linen. There's goat hair, ram skins, dyed scarlet, and there's the hides of sea cows. Now, that interests me, because the, most of the translators say a sea cow is a hippopotamus. And I've looked at hippopotamus in the zoo, and I've looked at hippopotamus, or hippopotami, is it, on the... Uh, on television, and I know they like water. A hippopotamus likes to get in the water and the mud, and there's not going to be water and mud in the desert. So I'm assuming that way back when they were near water and hippopotamus hides were available, they were collected. Um, I could imagine that the, the good leather, I mean, we use for uh, saddles for horses, 
good strong leather, not from hippopotamus, but they're there. So someone would be keeping them in their tent, and he's saying, bring that and give it to God. Then there's acacia wood, olive oil, spices, fragrant incense, onyx, stones, and other gems. So basically, they're asked to bring all the stuff that's needed to make the items for the worship of God. And then he says, I want your time. All who are skilled among you are to come and make everything as the Lord commanded. And so all of us are skilled in something. Now, we're not all skilled the same way, which is very good, but we are skilled and we're asked to come and bring our time to give the, to making of the things of God. And then there's uh, going to be a structure. You know, you don't have 600,000 men and, let me say, 600,000 women and set them loose to say, let's build this thing and everyone bring a hammer and a nail and let's just go for it. No, this is a big project. And so we want skilled men, and so God says, I've set up. Uh, see, the Lord has chosen Bezalel from the tribe of Judah, and he's filled him with the Spirit of God. He's filled him with skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of crafts, and he's given him a holiab from the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. So now it's starting to look like something. He's chosen a leader from the tribe of Judah and a man who can teach, I'm going to call a manager, from the tribe of Dan. And just so that we can understand that this isn't going to be done by the elite people or the rich people or some people and I won't get a look in. The first one is from the tribe of Judah. And the tribe of Judah is the grand tribe. Uh, I don't know how you would work it here, but if you're from the U.S., Judah would like to be California or Texas, or Alberta maybe up there in the north a little bit. They've got oil and money. Judah, Judah are the big guys. Don't mess with Judah. Well, the leader is going to come from Judah, but the manager is going to come from Dan, and Dan is the little guy. Dan is South Dakota or some other state that you couldn't really pick out on the map. Uh, Prince Edward Island, you need a bridge to get there. and also, uh, Anna Green Gables is about all you get when you go. Dan is not an important person. Dan is actually not going to finish very well in this whole journey. But God is saying from the, if you like, what you call the greatest and the leadest, I choose people who are going to surround this enterprise and come along. So I say that today, that... There's a danger in a church like this where certain people in leadership can stand out and we think that they are the ones that make all the decisions. They are the only ones that have the role to, uh, to uh, lead in this, position, in this uh, situation. But no, all of us, from the greatest to the least, if we work in those words, are wanted and are valuable and will be used for God. And so they're going to start this. One is the leader. Leaders are inclined to get going and, and can, in fact, cause a lot of mess. And you need a good manager to come behind and, shall we say, put order to the mess. I want to say this, though. In my experience, the church generally in the world today, the Christian church, is lacking in leadership. And um, leaders are bold people. Leaders are the Apostle Paul-type people the Billy Graham type people, the people who say when they hear from God, we can do it, let's go.
the managers are more likely to say, whoa, 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 let's wait. Do we have the resources? Do we have the money? We need both, by the way. But we need leaders who are willing to break out and uh, take us forward. And so this thing is being structured very well. And uh, they are to bring their offerings and they're to start work under the leadership of these two guys. So then the, the chapter continues that the people continue to bring offerings morning after morning and the skilled workers said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for the work that the Lord has uh, commanded to be done. So Moses gave an order, no man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing more because what they'd already had was more than enough to do the work. And if the church treasurer is here this morning, I can hear him raising his hands and saying, do it again, Lord, because to have all the money you need and all the resources you need is a rare thing when it comes to Christian work. So these people were a very happy and committed group of people. They were there to work passionately on a goal for God, to make a worship center where God would be resident among them and they could serve him. And so they start off in building this uh, tabernacle. I, roles were assigned and people were appointed according to their skills. And there's many things to be made and many skills that are needed. And so they start and away they go. Uh, now remember, we're out in the desert and we're in tents so there's no sort of um, central hall we can hire to build these things. We do it in the open air. The sun is shining and uh, the weather is good and the people are happy and there's uh, things being done. And so for a lot of the people, it's not their turn. There would be rosters. You know, I can see on some of these things, you don't just come along and build a little bit and go home. You keep on going and many people would be involved. So when that one finishes, another shift would start. And the people are watching. And they're watching the area where they're involved in. And in some cases, I think they're cheering on. And you can see, this is going to be a great thing. I'll pick out three things. The big one is the golden lampstand. This is some piece of work, I've got to say. Uh, we're told here, well, we went to blank and now we're coming back to the golden lampstand. It's pure gold, shaped as branches with blossoms and buds, candlesticks with uh, wicks and trimmers. It's made out of one piece of gold. You wonder, who's got this piece of gold that they're cutting across the desert? Uh, what is it? 75 pounds, 34 kilos. That's um, quite a big piece of uh, gold. Then you've got the curtains where the uh, women are working and they've got a massive job. We're not just covering the kitchen windows here. We're building something grand. 12 to 14 metres high and 2 metres wide. 45 feet high. That's going up a bit and six feet wide. Ten of those, and they had crosswork designs worked into them, all made with uh, ha hand sewing and made ready with bronze hook, hooks. So here's these two things. Now the, the golden lampstand is to be, I don't know how you work with gold, I guess you 
melt it, I'm not sure. But it's one piece, and it's got all these things. And a lot of people are interested, because this has surely got to be the centerpiece. And so the crowds would watch as they, they pour over the plans. When you carve something out of a block, uh, I've learned that you can't go back and fix mistakes. You know, once you've carved the bit out, uh, and perhaps there was, you know, a, a, an arm of a candle here, and you've messed it up, you can't sort of change it into something else. It's got to be done right the first time. So there's a lot of uh, papers there to be looked at and put together. And so they work and they watch. And these are artisans of the best type. And this is going to be a grand piece. The gold is shining in the sun and as it works on more and more, come and see, see where they're at now, what they're doing. We went down yesterday down the promenade to see if we could see what they're doing down there. They're not doing much. You know, there's just a lot of mess. But in this gold lampstand, no, no, this is going to be so beautiful and the people are watching. There would be a temptation, if I know skilled artisans, uh, when the crowd is ooing and ahhing, to maybe make it a little better. Hey, this is a good plan, but I've got a better plan. And we could make it bigger and better. But they stay to the plan. And the same with the women. They have to make this and... Women like to get together, and so the noise that's coming out is an enthusiastic noise from where they're working as they are cheering on and those who aren't sewing, uh, singing, and there's no you know, big machines rattling here. It's all done by hand, and they're impressed by this, and they're putting it together. Then the third one, down at the end there, there's a, uh, a group of men who are working quietly and they're putting together uh, brass rods. Now these are going to be the tent pegs. These are not so important. They don't need a lot of skill. We could have chosen anyone to build the tent pegs, these brass, brass pins. I think there's more than 100 to be made. And so they make them on their shift and then they put them aside and hand the, the tool over to the others who are coming on and they make the brass pins. Uh, he, they're happy to do this because that's their role. They don't have to be out in the sunshine with the gold shining and the people cheering them on. You go down and have a look. Well, that's nice, but we'll go and, and watch something else. But they do their thing, and then it says, so all the work on the tabernacle was completed. The Israelites did everything just as the Lord commanded. Moses inspected the work and saw that they had done it just as the Lord had commanded. So Moses blessed them. When we come to Christian service, there's God's way and there's our way. And uh, we need to be careful in this modern age with all the techniques and facilities we have that we don't turn it from God's way to our way. God wants to use the technology. God wants to use our skills. But he has a plan and he says, here's the way. You walk in this way and do it. And they did. And so when they lined up, you, I mean, there's a lot of pieces here and hundreds Thousands of people have been involved in this. And they line up and he's coming along and he's inspecting them. And he's not like inspecting a guard of honour to see if their shoes are shiny and their rifles the right way. He's looking at the plan and looking at the detail. And he's ticking them off, yes, yes, yes. And so there's golden lampstand men or women. Uh, they wait there and they're watching as he goes through the plans and he ticks off and then he comes back and says, you did it right, God bless you. 
and the men with the brass poles, pins, they come to them and he's looking them down and he just doesn't have a look and say, yeah, they look pretty good. No, he opens it up and looks at them because this is work for God and has to be right. And he sees it's done and it's right. And then the Lord said to Moses, set up the tabernacle. Put this thing together. What, what a day this is. Can you imagine this? All these pieces now are out there and a, a team of uh, assemblers comes in and they're going to put this together. Now, a lot of people, because they've been involved in one item, have spent their days focused on that one item, even when they're not really working on it. And so their intensity has been on this one thing, which is their ministry, if you like. And now they're going to spread out and they're seeing the whole massive thing that God has been doing and all the pieces, and they are being put away. Now they watch as these things are being assembled and they're being put in. And here's the thing, they're waiting to see the whole team, and that would be a big team of golden lampstand builders are watching. And they nudge, they say, it's our turn, they're going to put our plane into place. And uh, not sure where it's going to go, really, when I look down there. And so 75 pounds weight, and it's magnificent, and it's carried carefully, and it's gone in, and where they go. And the people watch, and suddenly they've turned right, and it's gone out of sight. And they say, what's going on here? And Moses comes and says, no, no. See, you had a lot of applause when you were making it and when you were doing it. But now this is going into the place where God will be. The masses won't ever see your golden lampstand again. So I have to remind you that you were doing it for God's glory, not for the applause of men and women. It's gone now. But God will be pleased. But somehow, in some people's hearts, that doesn't quite good. We like the applause. And we like them to say, he made the golden lampstand. But no, God says no. We're not doing it for man's applause. The great Canadian, wasn't he? George Beverly Shea. I'd rather have Jesus than men's applause. I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause than to be the king of a vast domain. I'd rather have Jesus. And so that's... Uh, the focus for us today. There are public positions in ministry associated with this church and there are some who perhaps get more uh, overt recognition. But if you're one of those people, please remember it's, you're doing it for God's glory, not for the applause of men. The women watch and their curtains are pulled in and these things are pretty heavy, you would think. You know, 46, was it, feet high and big wide curtains and they come in and as women do they'll be telling the men to be careful with these because these are well done and they've got brass hooks that would be very very strong onto some a beam that is going to be very very strong also magnificent handcraft providing privacy and beauty as they define the rooms and the boundaries of the place of worship they would be seen by a lot of the people a lot of the time the man making or the men making the bronze tents pegs, yep, they got uh, a blessing from God and they're not so worried when they come along and they're hammered into the ground. They're putting a fence around this whole deal here and they're hammering in uh, these pent tents, uh, tent pegs. 
they know they'll be out of sight, but they will be remembered. Because when the first sand storm comes sweeping through and the howling wind is doing its best to pull this thing apart, the tent pegs will hold. And so those who know these things will nudge them and say, well done, they did their job. By the way, if you see uh, photos of, the, uh, of what this would have looked like, my father made one. He was a cabinet maker. He made one once. It was a big thing that would be uh, like from here, all of this. And he, used to, he gave it to people who knew these things and would go to churches and preach about it. And uh, to be honest, it's very ugly. Uh, you, would, uh, you would complain to the council if they built that building next to your house because it wasn't very pretty. But again, it was made with what was there, and that was good. But it was made for the glory of God. It was what went on inside that mattered. These uh, tent pegs, I'll just take a moment on those. Because all of these things that are associated with the tabernacle are a type of something for us today. And the type of a tent peg I see is the ministry of prayer. You know, it didn't take much skill to build a tent peg. It wasn't a very exciting role. Anyone could have done it. Nobody was much interested in it. But it was powerful in its, uh, the result it provided and the security it provided. And that's ministry of prayer. You know, prayer meetings aren't the most exciting, if you're really honest. They're not the most exciting meeting to go to. And I think you agree because you don't come to them so much as you come to worship. We'd rather sing uh, than pray if we were really deep down. But we pray in private. And one thing is sure, God hears your prayer and God answers your prayer. He intervenes in the lives of the people you pray for and the storms that are battering their life and your own. God hears your prayer and the tent pegs hold it up. We come together and we pray for people around the world. We pray for the church. We pray for the sick. We pray for the young, the newborn, the children, the youth. We pray collectively and God hears our prayers. There's an old British speaker, Sidlow Baxter, gone to glory now, but he was a tough uh, speaker and he said, we have, a, uh, we have a tool that no one can stop. You go to a man with the gospel and he'll tell you to get lost. You talk to someone about Jesus and they hang up the phone or close the door or tell you to get off the property. But you pray for them and they have no way of stopping. God will answer your prayer and he will go where no human can go. And God is the one, of course, that does the saving. We've never saved anyone here. God's done it and he can do it in answer to your prayers. The importance of your tent pegs cannot be underestimated. The power of your prayers cannot be measured as the all-powerful God listens and responds in the way that he wants. So, he answers prayers that come as we get together as a congregation like we did this morning and we prayed, God bless the children. God bless the word of God to our hearts. He answers those prayers when we're together. 
He answers those prayer in your small group and homes. He answers your prayer alone when you are there. When you form, as it were, a prayer in your mind and you deliver it to God, he hears that prayer. He also hears the prayer when suddenly, perhaps you're driving, perhaps you're, doesn't matter, a name comes to your mind or a situation comes to your mind and you pray and God hears. I would say in the last week with those boys in the cave trapped that a lot of Christians would be at some time, probably prompted by a news item, would have lifted a prayer to God. And uh, God answers prayer. Other people may not think God answers prayer and applaud the people who did, and we do too. But we know that God was listening to our prayer. There's also the prayer that comes when a crisis hits and you don't know what to do. And it should be a short prayer. Lord, save me was enough for Peter to get saved from the sinking in the water. Lord, remember me was enough for the thief to get to heaven. Give me this water was enough for the woman at Jacob's well to find the peace that she wanted. So don't think you have to suddenly stop, sit down, form, bow your head and close your eyes. You just shout to God and he will save you. He will hear your cry. He'll hide you, protect you. The tent peg will be heard. But now, I want to say something more about prayer. And uh, I've been blessed with a mentor in much of my ministry life, Reggie McNeil. Some of you might have read some of his books. A Work of Heart is a very good one. But Reggie, is, uh, he's a leader. He's my man. There's nothing Reggie cannot do because he trusts God. But he's pulled me aside many times and told me that I'm going the wrong way, and I was, but he noticed, and he's pulled me back. And one of them was in prayer. He's passionate about this, on prayer. And he would say to me, he did, Kelvin, why do you think Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, if he wasn't going to talk to them? He wants to talk to us, but he was spoken to me, but I'm going to include you in this. We get to prayer and we have our list. Dear Lord, hear our prayer. One, two, three, four to ten. Thank you very much. We love you. Amen. And we don't give God a chance. And he says, speaking to God is only half the thing. Prayer is speaking with God. And he goes on and says, no, so Kelvin, why did the disciples come to Jesus and say, would you teach us to pray? Why did he say first, our Father? Those are the first words, our Father. Because a father talks to his children. And the children talk to a father. And uh, I know that. There were some words I didn't want to hear from my mother. You wait till your father gets home. Um, very good words when applied to my sister, but not for me. But most of the time, my father came home, and that was good. There'd be food on the table. There'd be a report, a question about how did I play in the cricket match, did I, what I got for my math exam. We, we mumbled that one. But we talked to our father. And he says, my, my mentor says, you've got to give God more credit in this conversation. 
You want to listen to what God is saying. He speaks, we listen. It's not you speak, he listens only. Uh, Our prayers, I want to suggest, are exactly like the tent pegs. They're a stake in the ground. So when they're putting the tabernacle together, they didn't assemble all the stuff and then they'd say, now where are the tent pegs when we need them? And the men would bring it in on a trolley and they'd say, yep, they're stacked up ready so when we see the storm coming in, we'll go out and we'll tie, tie it down. No, no, they tied them in now. There's no storm. They put them in as a mark of faith and trust that when the storm came, as it surely will, they will be there. And I want to suggest that our daily prayers to God and our interaction and conversation with him can be similar to a stake in the ground where he's getting to know us and knows and we're preparing for that time when we will need to cry, Lord, save me. And it's not like it's an investment so much, but it's a reliance that God will help. And God will be there. When the time came, they would do their job. And I think we're called to pray the same way. We leave it with God. God is a future-focused God. We're not future-focused. We are living our lives today on the basis of what happened yesterday. We have hope for tomorrow, but we have no clarity about what tomorrow holds. God, on the other hand, was there at the beginning and God will be there at the end. Uh, by the way, he's not an old man. I think some people think God's got become an old man and I hope he no- understands computers. No, God, you know, the vice president of, of somewhere didn't invent the internet. God put it all together. And God is alive and well and active in our lives. In fact, more so than we can ever be because, as I say, he knows the future. I sometimes sing, you did once. I know not what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. It's a secret known only to him. But he will reveal that secret piece by piece as we trust in him. So when I pray for something that I believe I need tomorrow I'm looking forward God hears that prayer and assesses it in the the plan he has for me tomorrow and the plan he has and he fits that in and that's not always um, comfortable with us we prefer an immediate answer to our prayers we would prefer God to see it our way because we think we know best but often we don't And so the tent peg is our way of saying, I don't know when the storm will come. I don't know how the storm will come. But I believe when the storm comes that you will have the answer ready and will apply it to my situation. In the Bible I carry with me, I wrote it somewhere years ago, and I don't know where I got it, but I need to remember it. I may be surprised today at what happens to me, but God will not be surprised. I may not have the resources to deal with what happens to me later today, but God will have them, and he will apply them as he needs. And have I seen that happen? Just in the last week, we've seen that happen. And we see it happen all the time. I never knew this would happen. God knew it would happen. He came and applied his answer to that situation. Anticipation is part of prayer. I pray, and then I anticipate what God will do. 
I think anticipation is good for us, but I've noticed prolonged anticipation can suddenly turn to anxiety, or worse, apathy. He's not listening. Anxiety or apathy. There's a great story um, in the New Testament that illustrates all of this. Uh, a man called Zechariah in the book of Luke beginning is uh, he's a priest and he's working his roster in the priestly fashion and there's a tap on the shoulder and it's an angel of the Lord and he says, good news, Zacharias, I've come with good news. The prayers of you and Elizabeth have answered, you're having a son. And he says, excuse me? And uh, he repeats it and he says, man, you took a long time to get here. We stopped praying that prayer how long ago. I'm an old man. My wife is well on in years. There's no son in our future. And Zacharias says, well, yes, there is. Because when God heard your prayer back then, you were anticipating it would come fairly soon because that was your desire. But God knew that he needed, later in the program as it were, he needed a godly couple to have a son who would coincide with the coming birth of the virgin birth of Jesus Christ with Mary and we need someone to go God's plan you see it now we want someone to go and declare the way of the Lord he's coming and you've been chosen for that and against all odds uh, they had a son they named him John John the Baptist now if you're 70 don't take that as a license that you, you, you can have that as a model but the fact is God answers prayers in his way and in his time and we shouldn't get anxious and we should not get apathetic if God isn't answering it now all of this to say that the ministry of prayer must be raised up if this church is to be the church that God wants it to be the tent pegs need to be put in firmly in your life, in your life at home and I say to you by the way I don't want to discredit I don't want to discredit the programs that go in for prayer. And maybe if you've been to a, a group meeting or a discipleship meeting where they say to you that prayer should take a form. You know, you come and you start with uh, A for adoration and C for confession and, and these other things. They are all biblical and they're all taken out of the word. But the danger of those is they can become a form and prayer is not necessarily a form, it's a conversation. I don't know what I would say if my father was alive and he walked in today. I know it would be a greeting. I know it would be recognition. I know there'd be love and, and experiences changed. But I don't say, now here comes dad, what do I do first? Um, I don't do that. The main thing in prayer is not to speak to God or at God. It's to speak with God and listen to him. You'd be amazed if you'll be quiet and listen to God. It's words of scripture that you've been feeding on will come back to you and will have the meaning. And I thank the youth pastor here. I was at a meeting in the week with them and I uh, talked with the staff and said my little bit and when I was uh, later the next day in a situation, the Lord suddenly put that meeting in front of my eyes and I thought, well, I didn't say much about it. And then I remember that, that Doug right after had said, there's a psalm we need to look at, I want to look at. And it talked about his ways falling in good places and that just came back to me and I said, thank you God, you, you put that there through him for this particular moment. I just need to settle down here and know that you are aware.
And God will do that. And when a name comes up, when you think of somebody, uh, pray for that person and say, God, you've put that person on my heart. I don't know why, but you don't have to tell me, but if you do, that would be nice. But would you take care of that? My children. And when I pray specifically for things, and we should, then we say, uh, that's our prayer, Lord, as we see what we would like to happen. But you, the future-focused God, you have my deal. Isn't it good to know? It certainly is at my age that I'm not sure what's coming next. But I know that when I get there at the end, he'll be there, and it will be just perfect. And it makes sense as I look back. Jill and I, the times we have said, looked at each other and said, who would have thought? We set out from little old New Zealand to be just working Christian work down there in a very, very little small ministry, three people. And we weren't making much com- uh, impact, and that didn't matter. That was where God has it, had us. And he's led us from here to there to there. And, I mean, we'd never heard of you. We'd heard of Hong Kong. And... Uh, the stuff was good quality, cheap stuff. You know That's why you came to Hong Kong. But in 2002, we came through here and we were headed in country and I think it must have been a typhoon or something we couldn't get. And someone, it would be the pastor at the time here, he said, oh, we'll have to find a hotel. And of course, there's no hotels. that They were all full. And somebody in the church said, well, I think there's a little place you can stay. And we stayed and we came to church. And... Uh, it wasn't, it was before that, it, was a, it doesn't matter about the details. We came to church and you were upstairs then and we got to know one or two of you and then on the way out of China we came back and we're here and then we came in and we came out and we had a great ally of course we, uh, we were friends with uh, Howard Robinsons and you liked them so you had to like us and thank you for liking us. But thank you Lord for bringing us into the situations we have. Who would have thought that I'd five minutes to 12, we would be here together. Uh, God planned that, and God has the future, your future, my future, in his hands. And so we're building a house for God. So if this is your home, come as the Lord prompts you and bring yourself. And I don't know how that looks, but it won't hurt if you were to say to one of the leaders or to the youth or Twinkie and the children, I don't know what I can do, but I'd like to do something. My time is here. Time is valuable in Hong Kong. But time was given to you by God. Don't spend it all on yourself. And the resources we have, you're generous people and we live. But think what would happen if, I don't know, 150 people here, whatever, suddenly said, yep, I'm going to come in. And suddenly God would have the treasurer or the pastor come up and say, would you stop? You're giving too much. (laughs) what a day that would be you're giving too much there's not enough to go around then we would say expand the the walls God and let us go out and you are valuable your peace and nothing more valuable than the one who's making the tent pins and sinking them in the ground for the day that will come when we need God we can't do it ourselves I think I should preach more. The rain's come. It's no use. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know. Now let's start with Genesis. <laughs> so, here's what I've been trying to say to you. The value of each of us in building the house of God. It's not the big golden 
stick makers that, that attract the attention, or even the curtain makers. It's you and I as we come and bring ourselves uh, to God. They all offered their possessions and themselves, and particularly their time they offered. They used their skills, the public and private ones. The private skill, of course, one of the greatest, is that you can bow your head and pray. And that's good. We should do that. They worked to the plan of the leader, not selfishly or for personal praise. I don't see that as an immediate problem here, but it could be. And, uh, and I'll be honest, it can happen in pastors very easily. Uh, pastors like to be told, you did well, you did good. And we, we need to um, uh, encourage, but pastors can get a big head at times and it needs people to keep them grounded and to work for the plan of the whole group, not for themselves. Their work combined to make something beautiful and something useful for God. So my life not be much. We used to sing an old chorus that I, I, I found comfort in. Something beautiful, something good. All my confusion he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife. But he has made something beautiful out of my life. That's what he can do to you as individuals. And that's what he can continue to do with you as a church. He can make something beautiful out of the life of this church. And so together, their work was blessed by God and the glory of the Lord filled the place. The question then, everyone is needed. Will everyone be available? I pray that God will encourage you in this church. What could happen if we would trust him and go after him and if each of us as individuals would drop some prayer tags, prayer pegs into the ground and wait and see how the Lord can intervene in our lives. He is good. He has made us. Everyone is needed. Would you be available? I hope so. And uh, I think we're singing a closing hymn. Let me pray for you first. I, I really feel that God is speaking to some of us and Lord, you know our hearts and we've come and I think more came than I expected in the rain today and I apologise for my lack of faith. But you've got people here because they needed to be here and needed to hear your word. And we want to thank you for this church, Alliance International Church here in Wampoa. Someone way back had vision to start this. People invested in this church and got it going and ministry started. And through the years, many, many people have come, internationals have come and gone, locals have come and gone on. But this has been a place of refuge, a place of hope, a place of salvation. And this is a place where we have met with you. You've presenced yourself in this building, in this place, as it's been built with the hands of the people who love you and uh, who want to serve you. So now, Lord, uh, we've got individual... Uh, requests that we would make of you help us to become stronger in our prayer life collectively and corporately help us to understand that you want to talk to us we want to hear your voice we're sorry that we've talked too much we want to learn from you we want to listen 
and hear your words of encouragement, not in the places where you find it necessary to intrude, but we set space for you to speak to us. Enter that space, dear Lord, and speak to us. Our prayers as we read our scriptures and as we fellowship together, we are building a house for your glory, not for ours, where you can present yourself among us and you can have healthy leadership, healthy followers, and a healthy outcome in the programs that we launch towards the people. May your name be praised in our hearts this morning and in the hearts of the people we meet along the way in whatever circumstance on this wet day could we encourage people and shine in the lives, into their lives something of what we've been experiencing here. Bless us, we pray. Guide us and use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.